Welcome to The Hollow Point, your source for the latest guns, gear, and gossip, with your host, Rich Nance and Mike Barilla. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Mike Barilla here, as always, joined by Rich Left Eye Bropez, Nance. Nice. How are you doing today? Nice tan. You're fresh from Hawaii. I, I know, see. right? Uh, I got to apologize off the bat right now. Uh, I am a little under the weather, so I might sound a little funnier than normal. How do you get sick in Hawaii, dude? Uh, that's what I got for Christmas, the cold. <laughs> Makes sense. <laughs> What'd you get for Christmas? Not even a cold. Not even that? Oh, man. Uh, sorry to hear that. <laughs> well, for Christmas, we also got um, one of the things we've been talking about lately was the, the California uh, new AW laws. Assault not weapons laws? Not sure that's what we wanted. but No, it's definitely not what we wanted, but it is what we got. Um, huge lump of coal. <laughs> um, so the Department of Justice released new regulations because, you know, the, the law has been written since July-ish, you know, when it was signed. Uh, but DOJ gets to kind of interpret it and decide how it gets implemented and, uh, and enforced. Um, so they kind of came out with these, uh, with these regs to the Office of Administrative Law. Um, they filed them. It looks like they're they're somehow got around all the public comment and everything and they're they're filed um we're not quite sure what that means yet we're you know checking with oal and everybody else to to see if they're in effect or if there's going to be kind of a waiting period or you know anything as far as them going into effect um you know they 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 did a couple things that people weren't happy about but i kind of predicted <laughs> yeah you know, the one thing was uh, in California, you know, if you do register your assault weapon, you still do have to keep a bullet button on it. Um, now, that's not, you know, stated anywhere in the law or inferred anywhere in the law. That's kind of just DOJ's opinion. Yeah. Um, and I'm sure there's going to be a challenge on that. But for now, that's that's what it's that's what it is. Yeah. And some people have been asking about, well, why hasn't this stuff been challenged yet? But I think we've got into it a little bit like it has to be in effect before it can legally be. Yeah, so for someone to sue, it has to, um, you have to have an injured party, you have to have a plaintiff. Um, It's not as simple as just, oh, I want, you know, the the fact patterns are really important in lawsuits. So um, I'm sure there's people that are uh, working on that now. Yep. But uh, we do have to wait till the the regs are permanent, you know, everything's established before we challenge something. You can't really, um, that's kind of still a moving target. Sure. And, uh, the other thing was um, the you know the, we're, we're still selling guns we're still selling ARs there's a new bullet button that you know we kind of talked about that you have to separate the upper from the lower to yeah. uh, to swap mags um, featureless looks like it's good to go still man featureless I'm telling you with the way things seem like they are right now I'm leaning more toward featureless because you don't have that bullet button requirement which is which is totally cumbersome so you keep your now classified quote assault weapon and you have a bullet button on it versus you have a you know a slightly different albeit less uh, ergonomically designed version of an AR15 that doesn't require a bullet button I go for the featureless man right now yeah I mean the only uh, negative on the featureless was DOJ added a little section in there so on an AR it's not a big deal because your overall length is you know the the 30 inch requirement isn't a problem with an AR yeah the problem is if you want to make something like a PS90 featureless or, um, you know, anything like that, an AK or something, um, they've redefined it so that the the muzzle device has to be permanently attached um, to measure overall length, which before 
that wasn't a requirement. It just had to yeah. be attached. You can just have a muzzle brake on there, fake can, anything like that. With these new regs, um, they're saying that it has to be per- permanently attached, which, is, which isn't anywhere in the law, but that's what they're going for. Yeah. That's going to be a problem for, for people because on some of those guns, you can't do that. Yeah. PS90, for example, the way that thing's put together, you can't do that. Yeah. I mean, it's it's definitely going to be a challenge for us here in California, and uh, we're going we're gonna to need to... To, to yeah, there's going to be a lot of a uh, lot of lawsuits and um, you know a lot of fighting ahead of us. Uh, luckily, the the judges in the ninth district are getting um, appointed. You know, the the Supreme Court, all that um, are going to be Trump's picks, so that should be beneficial to us. You know, obviously we don't know for sure yet. <laughs> yeah, but that should be a big change in the next couple of years. Um, so, like the the groups like Califafel and Firearms Policy Coalition um, are going to be busy. Then they have a holder to uh, yeah, try to fight so, Trump. Yeah, yeah the, the California hired uh, the former attorney general to defend the state against these these lawsuits. I think even these lawsuits specifically. Defend the state against the Second Amendment. Exactly. Yeah. Well, you know, so that was uh, that was one part of the news. You know, the uh, the other thing in the news was the uh, the incident at uh, at the airport. Yeah. Fort Lauderdale. Fort Lauderdale. You know, our condolences obviously go out to uh, all those families affected. Um, there's there's a couple points um, on this I'd like to make. First off, um, you know, everybody's the people that aren't super aren't in the industry or aren't really um, that don't shoot all the time aren't um, familiar with how to fly with a gun. Yeah, I know you've done it before, so can yeah, you walk us through some of that? Sure, Mike. Even some people who who do carry a gun are freaked out about you know um, going to the airport with one and, and transporting. It's very very simple. Um, usually, I'll travel with one or two handguns, and I have them in a in a plastic hard sided case that has uh, the ability to accept two different lock or two of the same style locks but two locks so you can't open it up at all and get a hand in there and that's recommended to not be tsa locks right you know it, it can be either way it can be either way um i've been using uh tsa locks recently but before that i used uh others that yeah, i think most people recommend not using tsa locks because the tsa is probably the number one way guns get stolen <laughs> yeah. out of that so well there's a consideration um, for sure yeah but uh, yeah, so you have that, and then I just have them in a. I have a hard suitcase, which is also locked. Although I don't think that uh, that is is a requirement. Although uh, that's something I probably should look into again. I've never had an issue. Yeah, I don't think the suitcase is. But that, if you do lock it, does have to be a TSA lock. Yeah. Okay. Um, and uh, what you do is you just go. Uh, you you tell the the person you know at the counter Freak for the, out the lady at the yeah yeah you say in a, in a soft voice right. Excuse me, ma'am, or excuse me, sir. I have a firearm in my checked bag, and then they'll usually put you to like. Uh, a shorter line, which <laughs> works nicely, because uh, it it does take a this process. Depending on what airport you're at, it's going to add you know anywhere from uh, 15 minutes to probably 45 minutes uh, uh, to to your uh, check-in process. You know, TSA actually has to inspect every firearm, exactly. right? And what they'll do is they'll have you uh, sign to verify that it's uh, unloaded. Um, n- most of the time, they'll actually have you show them the gun um, very discreetly, obviously. Um, but but not always. Each airline and each airport uh, does things a little bit differently, in, in my experience. But they'll put that uh, signed uh, verification from you that the gun is unloaded. Uh, usually, they'll tape it to the uh, to the exterior of the gun case, and uh, which which obviously makes sure it's unloaded. Uh, it's okay if your magazines are in there. 
it's even okay if you have ammo in the same container as the gun as long as the ammo is in its original packaging. Um, so that's that's a key there. Now you there's can, a limit you, on how much ammo, Yeah, right? it's up to, I, I think it's 11 pounds, although don't quote me on that. And that may also, I'm not sure if that varies by, um, by uh, airline or not. But it makes sense. I mean, go online, look at whatever airlines regulations are. Don't uh, don't take what I say as gospel. But I do travel with firearms uh, on a very regular basis. So, uh, one thing I got jammed on before was uh, my gun locking case, which I had used for several flights. Suddenly, uh, they determined. You know, one TSA agent said, "No, this is not good to go because I can reach my fingers in there or something." So then. I quit messing with it and I bought something that was, you know, locked on both sides. So just because it's locked doesn't necessarily mean you're good to go. Um, they're going to try to open it up and see if they can reach a hand in there. Um, so that's kind of the basic, uh, regs for, for traveling with farm. So that's basically how that, um, that turd was able to get a gun. You know, he got it straight off the carousel, right? Yeah. And here's the thing, Mike, um, you know, people freak out about that, that like somehow this guy had exclusive access to a firearm or something in a, in a secured area of an airport. That's not at all true. When you check a, a firearm, your only access to that firearm is at the baggage claim. And the baggage claim is, at least in every airport I've been to, a non-secured area where anyone off the street can walk in with a firearm and start shooting people. But it is technically a gun-free zone. Yeah. Yeah, it is a gun-free zone, and we know how effective those are. Yeah, exactly. So, but yeah, what the guy did is, quite frankly, something that I've done before. Um, not not the uh, shooting people part of it, but the arming yourself part of it. So you go to the uh, to the baggage claim, you get your suitcase that has your firearm in it, you go to the restroom, and uh, you know you go inside a stall, and you can, you can load up your firearm there and, and be good to go. Again, I'm a police officer, so I don't have any uh, anything that prohibits me from doing that legally. Um, if you do, then I would recommend don't do that, you know, yeah, arm yourself when you go outside. But, uh, but I've done that before and you kind of, uh, you time the flushing of the toilet with the chambering of the, of the round. So it's, it's kind of, uh, muffles it a little bit. <laughs> That's a good tip. Yeah. But, um, it's, it's terrible. It's a terrible tragedy and it's terrible, uh, for everybody affected. Um, it's, you don't even know what to say when something like that happens, but what I can say and you well know, is it's not the gun's fault. It has nothing to do with accessibility of a firearm or anything else because anyone, whether legally or illegally, could have had a firearm in the area of the airport where he had that. So. Yeah, no, I mean, there was a couple weird things about that. One, why fly all the way to Florida to do something like I don't know quite, you know, obviously we don't know the motives or anything. Sure. Um, that seems kind of weird. And the, the surrender at the end of it also, you know, usually those situations... Yeah. Um, in, in either suicide or suicide by cop. Mm -hmm. And this time they, they, it didn't. Yeah. Which is kind of odd. Um, I also wanted to talk to about, um, the, from the law enforcement side, the, the response to that, you yeah. know, we were watching on TV, watching the, the kind of chaos unfold. Um, you know, the a couple of commentators on CNN and others were saying, oh, they have these policies and procedures in place. You know, everybody's kind of doing what they're supposed to be doing, but it looked like utter chaos. Everybody yeah, was just on the tarmac. Nothing yeah. was controlled. Yeah. Nobody, there was no, there were no policies and procedures. There's de definitely no SOP followed there. It was total chaos. Yeah, total chaos is usually what you're going to expect. I mean, you have a plan, but nothing will go according to plan. Um, I'm sure that there were several different uh, law enforcement agencies responding, yeah. and I'm sure also that uh, 
you know, you always wonder, is this the only shooter? Um, you wonder if the information that you're getting is accurate and you can only respond based on the information that you have at the time. It's easy to, uh, to go back and Monday morning quarterback it, but it is an airport's is, a big place with a lot of is, people. So, and I guess in that airport, um, it's there, the area where the baggage claim is, there is like almost zero cover or concealment. I mean, so it's, uh, you know, people inside there are, are, are very easy targets. Um, and, uh, it's just, uh, and, and that's why those areas are chosen, you know, by these, uh, yeah, I mean, it's no accident Yeah, that it's a gun free zone. <laughs> yeah, no, you're right about that. But one of the things I am proud of as a police officer is to look at that and to see how these uh, police officers, even though it is chaotic and maybe, maybe their response isn't uh, perfectly coordinated or however you want to call it, but they're putting themselves in harm's way, shielding uh, the innocent. Uh, yeah, there's a bunch of pictures that came out yeah. with, uh, you know, uh, a cop basically guarding groups of people. Absolutely. And, um, and, and running them to cover, you know, exactly. escorting them to safety. And they're not uh, in any way cowering. They're, uh, they're, they're stepping up clearly. Every, every picture of every police officer I saw from that incident uh, was was something to be proud of uh, as far as a police officer willing to put themselves in, in harm's way. Yeah, I completely agree with that. And that kind of, you know, ties in with our, our next topic of, uh, of mindset. Um, yeah. You know, what, what, um, what is mindset, first off? Yeah, I mean, we all talk about, you know, having a winning mindset or a fighter's mindset or survival mindset. And this goes back to even, you know, my, my training in martial arts before I became, you know, uh, firearms instructor, but as, as students, whether it's of martial arts or or of shooting, um, we tend to want a technical solution, and uh, what we really seek is this magic formula of a of a series of techniques that we can apply under any circumstance that's going to make sure that we're able to uh, to maintain the upper hand, you know, to to win the day. And there is no such thing. I mean, there are certain techniques that are better suited uh, for surviving and winning a life and death encounter, whether it's armed or unarmed, than other techniques. The techniques that tend to work the best are based on gross motor skills. And by gross motor skills, what I mean are whole body movements. Like if you can imagine thrusting one leg forward and shoving someone on their shoulders with both of your hands, that's absolutely a full body movement. So your ability to do something like that is going to be enhanced under the stress of a life and death encounter. Uh, whereas your ability to, you know, strike them precisely in the temple with your knuckle or something like that is going to be very hard to do. Uh, you know, when you, when you're totally stressed and, uh, your fine motor skills diminish, that's why something like you know, a finger lock. If I were to get you in a finger lock right now, I could probably have you screaming and, and doing whatever whatever I say. But if you're really fighting me, if you're really hell-bent on kicking my ass, then you're not going to care if I get you in a finger lock or even if I break your finger. So there are techniques better suited, you know, for the stress of a life and death encounter than others. And the other, before I get into mindset, also gear, right? We've talked about this a little bit before, but if I only had you know, a holster like so-and-so has. If I only had my gun tricked out like this dude has. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I mean... If it, it said salient on the side of my gun, yeah, it would, I would have done much yeah, better. Exactly. And again, the same as with techniques. There is certain gear that's better suited than other gear, but the solution is not gear-related, you know? Um, you know, a friend of mine says that uh, 
you know, the winner at Camp Perry could probably win with a wrist rocket, right? I mean, it's not, it's yeah. not completely a, a hardware, a hardware solution. So again, not dismissing the importance of having realistic techniques and not dismissing the importance of having good gear. But what we really need to focus on as instructors and even as students is mindset. And what am I talking about by a survival mindset, right? Uh, one of the things you can call it is your willingness to do whatever it takes to win the, to win the day, to win the situation. Now, if you're not properly trained in this, what's going to happen is when you're under attack, you're going to be thinking about self-preservation. You're going to be thinking about defending yourself. You're going to be thinking about trying to persuade this person to stop hurting you. Ironically, what's going to save you is when you don't worry about yourself. It's kind of, uh, you know, it's kind of a deep thing. A yeah, it's counterintuitive, and it's kind of, you know, uh, metaphysical, whatever you want to say, a little deep, but abandonment of self. Rather than worry about, you not getting injured, you need to worry about injuring the person that, that's trying to hurt you. And when you have that abandonment of self, you know, you're not concerned about your own safety. You're just concerned with stopping that person, with, with doing whatever it takes, bashing their head in, in an extreme example, shooting them in the face, you know, to stop the threat. That is what's going to keep you safe. When, you, when you're no longer concerned about defending yourself and you are concerned with attacking this person who attacked you and not stopping the attack until the threat is neutralized. So everybody knows that having a survival mindset is important, but then that begs the question, how do you develop this mindset, right? And uh, real quick, there's a, there's a few things I think that are important. Um, one of them is visualization, right? So you can imagine yourself in these scenarios, imagine yourself, you know, uh, being accosted by someone that, that maybe pulls out a knife, maybe they even cut you and then you're able to, you know, um, uh, to maybe parry their arm away as you create distance, draw your firearm, and then you, you engage them, right? With lethal, uh, lethal force and you shoot them, you, you kill them or you stop them. Those are things you have to consider. You, it, it, that mindset, that ability and willingness to do that can't be taught. It can't be learned on the range. It can't be learned through marksmanship. That's something that you have to bring to the table for any of the technical solutions to be effective. And uh, another way you can develop this, Mike, is through like simunition training or through um, airsoft training if you don't have access to simunition by engaging in scenarios that are realistic and help to bridge the gap between a sterile range day and, oh shit, someone's trying to kill me in a parking lot at 2 a.m. So now just training in simunitions or any of these techniques or ways to develop a survival mindset, there's no one solution, but all of these things, when you combine them, they can do a lot for you. Simunitions can allow you to actually put your sights on another individual and press the trigger, which is simulating that you're shooting that person, that you're using lethal force against that person. I think that's an important component that's often missing. Um, another way to do it, Mike, is like you have a Tracy rifle and pistol, good plug, is the, uh, the simulator that you have there. And those have come a long way. Now, we used to have the old FATS simulator, which was, you know, one step up from like Atari or something graphic-wise. <laughs> now these... Duck Hunter, right? Yeah, exactly. Now these things are ultra-realistic. So you you can get used to um, making proper deadly force decisions and then you can get used to 
um, in a way inoculated to using deadly force. So again, visualization, uh, some type of force-on-force training, some type of force-on-force simulator, these are all ways that you can help to develop that survival mindset or that winning mindset, the fighter's mindset, whatever you want to say. But what it comes down to is, again, not being concerned with what the attacker is doing to you, but instead immediately turning the tables and attacking uh, the attacker. That That's turning predator into prey, and that's the essence of any self-defense or shooting, uh, defensive shooting curriculum. So all the other stuff, I mean, you can have the best Kydex holster, you can have... Uh, you know, the coolest shirt and, uh, and, coolest and, patches. and the best gun, yeah, with the best morale patch. And if you don't have that mindset, it's all a freaking waste of time. So, Yeah, and, the, and I think that's the hardest thing to learn. Um, in the grand scheme of things, learning to shoot is extremely easy. It's not that hard. Um, to shoot effectively enough to stop a threat like that is not a hard deal. It's not hard to learn. Exactly. And, and what happens, Mike, is everybody focuses on that, on the technical aspects, because you know why? It's measurable. Right. So um, if you take a class with me and I, you know, I'm concentrating on marksmanship or speed and marksmanship, whatever the case is, at the end of the course, if you perform better than when you started the course, you know that that you got what you needed out of that course. And I'm not saying that's not important, but that is only one cog in the wheel. You know, well, it's also a hard test. You know, you can you can set up a, a drill for someone to do and test whether they can do it or not. Mindset is uh, a lot harder thing to 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 test because you you really can't. Absolutely, I mean it's it, and you can think this guy's got it, this guy's got it, but guess what? When the fit hits the sham, this guy is is, is suddenly um, what was that? When the what? So what? <laughs> this guy is suddenly um, not as uh, not as enthusiastic about it as you as you would hope he would be. And other times it surprises you, you know, in in police work, which I've been a part of for 20 years. Sometimes there's an officer who's kind of meek and mild, but then you realize, you know, when, when there's a, an aggressive suspect who's actively resisting, this officer surprises you by their ability to jump in and, and not only their ability, but their willingness, which is key. Yeah. It's hard to read that. I mean, without, yeah. without experience, it's, it's, it's extremely hard yeah. to, to read that on someone's face. Yeah, no, absolutely. It is. And, uh, it's, you can't tell it could be the most, uh, muscular, uh, the most well-trained guy can crumble you know, in the moment of truth and the meekest, mild, uh, little wimp can rise to the occasion. So, um, so there is hope for I you. was just going to say that, but you beat me to it <laughs> bastard. But, uh, no, I mean, so that's my, that's my kind of take is I just wanted to, to talk a little bit about the importance of mindset and make sure that whatever you're doing, don't get so hung up in the technique that, you, that, that you're devaluing the importance of being aware of your surroundings and being willing to, injure and or kill someone who poses a deadly threat to you or a loved one. I mean, that's, that's yeah, I mean, what it's all about. If you're carrying a gun but aren't willing to use it, it's kind of... It's worse because then then you're going to hesitate and then they're going to end up with your gun. I mean, it's it's yeah. a mess. And, and, and teaching weapon retention, that's one of the things that I teach. Unfortunately, some people think it's a talisman, right? And they're going to draw it out and they're going to bluff. Well, that may work. But if it doesn't work, now you're in a much worse situation than before you introduced the the firearm to the fight. Absolutely. How's that coffee? It's good, man. I'm, I'm, I'm ranting now. <laughs> my, uh, my mother, my mother actually got us a new espresso machine for the house. So that's, uh, thanks mom. You did good. Yeah. Right. <laughs> it's pretty awesome. Um, speaking of Christmas presents, right? <laughs> nice. Yeah. You know, um, and it's tough, you know, like, uh, traveling to certain places, like, like I said, I was just in Hawaii. 
I wasn't able to carry in Hawaii. I couldn't take my gun there, you know. So it's kind of um, that mindset becomes even more exactly. important. And to me, the avoidance is the, the the main thing there, you know, and to not get yourself into situations where you can't defend yourself. No, absolutely. And I think sometimes uh, when you are somewhere like that and you know that you're unarmed, um, it should make you a little bit more aware even. You know what I mean? Exactly. So where it's like, I, I got I to gotta head this off ahead of time. I need to notice this threat with plenty of time so I could take evasive action and not, you know, not face it. Yeah, and that's something, that's a conscious decision you have to make when you uh, when you travel like that. Yep. Um, speaking of travel, coming up, uh, what, next week already? The week after is uh, yeah. SHOT Show? Yeah, yep. Um, <laughs> I'm not going for the first time in, uh, I think, 10 years, something yeah. like that. Yeah. Um, I got a, I have a little one on the way, so I'm and staying home to, to to take care of all that, set up the nursery and everything. Um, you know, SHOT Show is uh, kind of one of my favorite times of the year. Yeah, it's fun. <laughs> Um, for those of you who haven't been shot, you know, is in, in Vegas, just a giant industry show. It used to be more of a dealer show. Um, now it's kind of more of like, uh, you know, every blogger take pictures of everything kind of, <laughs> kind of show <laughs> a lot less business gets done and a lot more, uh, kind of product launches, press releases, that kind of stuff. Yeah. It's um, a great, great networking opportunity for, for AKA people drinking beer. Yeah. <laughs> That's how most people network there. Jeez. Well, <laughs> oh, that is kind of how some of the deals get sealed. You know, so this this time of year, a lot of uh, a lot of the companies are launching all their new product lines. Sure. Um, you know, we've kind of seen a couple of them already. Um, one of the the big guys, uh, Savage. Um, you know, they make great quality rifles, great prices, um, good setups. They've just uh, Rich dropped his phone. Anyway, uh, Savage uh, makes uh, or just announced that they're going to be making a line of uh, ARs. I don't know if you saw that. No, I haven't, man. Um, you know, and nothing against them. It's just uh, kind of curious. You know, Springfield just kind of did the same thing with that Saint. Um, yeah. It's a really crowded market. Um, to gonna, it's gonna be tough for them to to get some of that market share with all the with all the big guys. I know I've been pretty impressed with Savage Rifles as far as you know quality for what you pay. It's it's a pretty good deal. So it's interesting to see what they're going to be coming up with uh, AR wise. Yeah, you know, it looks like a couple basic models. They, they use the same nomenclature, you know, the the, the tactical cheesy, you know, operator and uh, yeah. well, uh, for patrolman and the other stuff, you know, that everybody <laughs> kind of loves. Um, I'm sure they'll do all right. Um, I, you know, I don't know why you don't just, just stick with what you're what you're good at at that yeah, point. Yeah, I think you know? everybody wants to Everyone branch out and get piece a little, of that pie. Yeah, a little yeah. bigger piece of the pie there. You know, that that that's one thing I saw. You know, this is before shot obviously um one of the cool things uh i don't know if you've seen that uh hudson you know, H9. I, I have mike but just uh just like a, a quick photo and in a blurb that it's coming i, I don't know much yeah, about i think it. they launched their uh their website today a couple details on it um i'm kind of excited about it you know it's kind of a cool um departure from the traditional um striker fired guns um, the main thing that, that it has going for it is that 1911 style bar trigger um, instead of a pivoting trigger. Um, guys that shoot pistols a lot will know really quickly that a 1911 just is easier to shoot. Uh, yeah. I don't think there's much debate on that. Mm. Um, it is an easier gun mechanically just because of that um, that bar trigger. You know, it's a straight pull back. Yep. It's not a pivot like a like a Glock or any of the other um, main striker fired guns. Um, so that and it's a it could be a nice short trigger or nice short reset yep. you know no movement in it and that's what they're um, claiming too obviously I haven't played with one yet um, but I'm excited to see that um, the only negatives I saw about it one was the price what I mean, is the price um, I think MSRP is around 1200 bucks 
which is you know really high for a striker fired yeah. um, kind of duty gun, um, if you will. Yeah, but you know, here, it is here, a smaller company, so there are some economies of scale there. And also, but. it's potentially going to be kind of a revolutionary product in in that if there becomes a trend with striker fired pistols that have this 1911-esque trigger. I mean, that's pretty revolutionary. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree with that. It's just, it's going to be hard. You know, I don't know what they're, what they're expecting sales wise. Um, like but, all new products, it's always a crapshoot. Is it going to work, you know, the way we think it is? And yeah, um, there's, you know, that they're, they're claiming the lowest bore axis of any pistol, mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff, which, which is cool. Um, the only other negative I saw was um, because of that front end on it, how low it is. Mm-hmm. If you get a put a light on it or you know anything on the accessory rail, holsters are going to be incredibly big. Mm-hmm. I mean, just because it'll be the the same height as the the grip height. Sure. Um, so that'll be kind of interesting to see how that plays out. I'll tell you. Uh, speaking of working the bugs out, um, I recently reviewed the Ruger LCP two. Yeah. Man, that is a hundred percent better pistol than the LCP. Which is weird because they already have an LCP Gen two. So now it's a yeah. LCP two on top of yeah. an LCP and an LCP Gen two, which is kind of just a weird way to name things. Is that is the Gen two? Is that the LCP custom? Is that the same? no? So there was a basic LCP that they did for a few uh, six seven months when they first came out, yeah. I think, and then they released the LCP Gen two, uh, which changed the sights and something else on it. I don't quite remember, but the the sights were the the biggest improvement because the mm-hmm. first LCP basically didn't have sights. Yeah. Um, so the Gen 2 had the little trop sight kind of thing mm-hmm. um, with the little raised nubs. And now you have the LCP2 in addition to the Gen 2, which just for dealers just sucks as far as naming yeah. goes. I mean, the LCP2, though, it has like a far improved trigger. It's actually a single action trigger. Uh, it has uh, improved sights. You know, even though they're still small and they're still integral to the frame, they're, yeah. they're significantly larger. And they're also... Uh, the custom, which is something that was kind of in between, that had the red trigger, mm-hmm. um, that had more prominent sights, but those are also more apt to catch on something when you're carrying. Especially with a small gun like that, exactly. like a pocket carry gun, yeah. So I think the LCB2 is a, is a great, um, you know, um, striking a great balance there between the sights that are not going to snag, yet they're more visible. And uh, also it has the the great ability that the um, uh, the slide locks to the rear when the mag is empty, you know, which is it's good benefit. So I mean, those are those are the three knocks that the LCP had the yeah. the very long, very stiff trigger press. Which, by the way, the trigger uh, pull weight on the LCP two is about what it is, maybe even a little bit stiffer than the LCP. It's just that uh, it doesn't start being tense right at the beginning of the trigger pull, like like it does with the uh, with the LCP. So the the trigger pull itself. Uh, I mean, it is night and day. It's it's like a now is that completely in, different pistol. Is that a guns and ammo review? I can't say exactly. It's uh, oh, sorry. yeah, that's okay. It's uh, it'll be coming up soon in in. Uh, I thought that was already one of the magazines re- released. It will be from uh, you know from the company that owns Guns and Ammo. It's gotcha, just a matter gotcha, of which uh, magazine. Yeah, I didn't mean to put you on the spot there. I just thought that was already uh, already released. No worries, uh, bro. <laughs> I think no. What what article did I just see from you? The the Kimber article is that right? Yeah, and the new Guns and Ammo February two thousand seventeen. Uh, that's right. That's or, that's the one I was thinking. Yeah, of. I reviewed the Kimber. Uh, uh, Micro nine, yeah, very very cool little pistol. So, yeah, I remember uh, seeing that thing come through. How was your hand after that LC uh, LCP? It's good, man. Um, you remember that <laughs> that uh, Bond Arms <laughs> Darren? That's where I, I was going with oh, that. Oh man, uh, was that a couple years ago? And I must have fired, I think, seventy five rounds. Out of each caliber, right? And it was like forty five ACP. I don't remember what the other was. I think it was nine, nine, and, nine, nine and forty five. And man, 
my the web of my hand and my thumb. I don't. I think they're still not right. <laughs> yeah. Derringers like that in 45 ACP are not meant to be fired 75 times. Yeah, and it took a while to figure out why it was having two groups. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Um, so yeah, there's that. Um, you know, there's a couple other products um, coming out, going to be announced at Shot. Um, I don't have too much, you know, behind the scenes access to that kind of stuff, yeah. but, you know, but right about now is where all the kind of leaks happen just because they, they have to make the, the promos, the, 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 the mags the, or the, the flyers, all that kind of stuff. So that stuff, uh, leaks out very quickly. Yeah, no, I mean, it's an exciting time. And, uh, although maybe I'm a little jaded, but, uh, as far as new products go, oftentimes when I go there to like media day at the range or whatever, um, well, I'm still waiting on some new products from two years ago. Yeah, I mean, that's that's part of it, too, is that you know it's going to be a long time before you're actually handling this stuff. And then also it's like very rarely is something so new that I really get excited about it. I mean, it's usually it's like uh, something's very, very minor um changes and they and they and they market it as being revolutionary you know, well, I, guess. I think revolutionary is in every single press release i've seen yeah. so far on new products you know mm-hmm. um the only one I, I i you know i was kind of excited about um which you didn't share the same enthusiasm <laughs> about um there's a company called arion um that released kind of a, a teaser for a new um pistol can and it's not really i guess you can't really call it a can it's more of a, a kind of rectangular square that i thought was pretty cool about how it you know, comes all the way apart, really easy QD, all that kind of stuff. Um, but you weren't too excited about it. Yeah, man, I just don't see the, uh, I, I don't see a suppressor on a, on a pistol unless you're an assassin or, you know, I'm joking clearly, but <laughs> I mean, I don't get excited about that. To me, it's just, there's, there's zero. It is a very limited kind z- of application. Zero practicality for that, you know, whereas, uh, you know, a suppressor on an AR, I mean, yeah. that makes, makes perfect sense. To I, li- I like shooting pistol, you know, cans on pistols. It's just cause it's that, that fun, that, that recoiling impulse, that sound. It's, sure. it's, it's pretty cool. But yeah, I mean, you can't holster the thing. You can't, yeah. you know, really do much with it. I do like uh, this uh, Arion one in that you can see, presumably see your sights over the top of it. So Yeah, it, it has the expansion chambers kind of below the, the bore line instead of above. Um, I mean, even like the, um, uh, what's that thing? The, the silencer cocaine. The, um, anyway, that one's kind of rectangular, but it still blocks your sights. So you got to have really tall sights on there to see through. Um, in that, so that, that's kind of cool. You know, I don't know if there's anything else I can really think of coming out that, that I'm going to be bummed about not seeing a shot. Yeah. I mean, there's always the crazy stuff, you know, like double barreled ARs and all this stuff. And it's, some of the stuff is pretty gimmicky, but, um, you know, there are some things that, uh, I, I tend to focus more on the practical. So like some people may think, LCP two versus LCP. Who gives a crap, right? Yeah. But to me, that's cool because that that is something. Well, it's moving that's, forward. You know, that's the evolution exactly, of it. and that's something that's that's um, it's practical. It's not you know uh, uh, um, a pocket pistol with three barrels. You know, I exactly. Mean, yeah, uh, you know, uh, what's your favorite? What's uh, you have any uh, funny stories you can share about shot? Uh, that I can share is the, is the big caveat <laughs> right. there. But no, I mean, we always have a good time. Uh, we usually hang out in the bourbon room most of the time. It doesn't exist anymore. Exactly. So, but I mean, it's still there. It's yeah. just called something else. I bet they still have bourbon. Oh, I'm sure they do. But yeah, no, it's it's always a good time there at SHOT. Um, yeah, it, 
I always had fun long, running into people all the long time. Long nights, you know? yeah. Long. Get to randomly have a beer with like Dakota Meyer or something, yeah. you know, out of nowhere. Yeah. Just, uh, that was kind of cool. Um, yeah, it's neat. The thing I'm fortunate with is that I'm not stuck in a booth. Yeah. I think that oh, would, I would hate life. You know, my ADHD would have me, you know, I don't know what I would do if I was standing in a booth all day, but I get to roam around and, you know, network. There's a lot of people there, a lot of a lot of friends of mine that I only see a couple times a year, other writers or other trainers, and I really, uh, I like to be able to, uh, to touch base with them there and you know it's in vegas Promo the podcast yeah it's i wonder it. if there's gonna be any like uh 10 foot tall pictures of you again <laughs> i think that was what two three years ago yeah those days are over are they <laughs> you falling out of favor with those yeah. guys no i'm joking no yeah it's 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 always fun to to just uh catch up network see what's new i mean it's a, it's a, it's a neat show but it is demanding usually you come back from shot show uh sick, sick sometimes hung over and uh you know it takes a week or two to get back uh get back in the groove of things, but it's kind of a necessary evil. I mean, some people really dread it. I've been, I don't know, probably like you, probably 10, 10 times, and uh, I, I kind of look forward to it. But then again, about day three or day four, yeah. you know, I've had it. I, I would dread it if I had to work a booth, though. I mean, yeah. there's so many people in there that shouldn't be in there that have no business being in there mm-hmm. um, that it's it's just a waste of time for for a lot of people, you know? Yeah, I mean, that's what it was at Media Day, too. It always seems like a competition of who can dress the most tactical, too. <laughs> yeah, that is true. Um, Media Day, you know, was a zoo a few years ago, two or three years ago. I mean, it was just absolute chaos. And like you said, nothing against nothing against bloggers, but there was a lot of people that, you know, um, didn't have any business being... Uh, much less there, probably not even around firearms, right? Yeah. I mean, but yet they have some blog that they've blogged one time and they have, you know, one person seen it and it's their mother, but um, <laughs> but somehow they got credentials in there. So they're a little bit more strict now about um, about who they allow. And again, I'm not, you know, some blogs are freaking awesome, but I mean, some of these guys are just like yeah. totally scamming it in order to get into this thing, you know? And, uh, and but there is a lot of legitimate media there as well. So it's, it's kind of fun. Media day always tends to be either raining and or windy and miserable. So um, this year I'm going to go in a private vehicle and be gone. Uh, whenever you want. Yeah, whenever I want. So waiting on all the shuttles. Yeah, and everything. sometimes you take a bus and you're stuck there, you know, uh, for a while. So Yeah, you know, I, I haven't done the media day because I'm not really media, but... Um, you are now, brother. Oh, I guess now, yeah. <laughs> but uh, the, no, the dealer side of things, it you know, it used to be a lot of, you know, buying for the entire year. That's when you saw... It is kind of cool seeing the guys you talk to on the phone every day, you know, the distributor reps. I, you know, I, I deal with them every day and meet them once a year, pretty much. So that aspect of it is cool. Um, you know, every distributor, every manufacturer used to have, say, you know, specials, promos. That's kind of gone away. They kind of start doing that. I mean, all of them kind of released it last uh, last Monday. All the specials for the dealers and everything. So, you know, I don't know. I'm I'm not sad about missing it. Obviously, I got a lot more important things to, exactly. to worry about. Um, but it is fun, you know, catching up with some of the people. Um, you know, having a couple of beers here and there. Yeah, you'll be sad when I text you from there. Yeah, two in the morning. <laughs> oh, you know that's coming. No dick pics this year. <laughs> hey. You never know what's going to happen in Vegas, right? <laughs> right. Um, so I don't know. I mean, that's pretty much all. Uh, that's my opinion of shot. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's we go every year. Um, you're getting the year off this year. You know, I, I have so many things starting to develop now. Obviously, I'm a full-time police officer, and then I'm using every bit of my vacation um, as I have the last couple of years. This year, I don't think I'm going to have enough to do 
you know, between the writing obligations, uh, the television stuff and the, uh, and the training stuff, I, I don't think I'm gonna have enough time. So in hindsight, not sure, you know, taking the week off to go to shot was, was the most, uh, smartest idea, but kind of too late now. So, well, yeah. And it's, it's a lot more important for you than it is for me and to be dead honest. Yeah. But you know, like you said, one of the things is there's not a lot of people that I meet now, uh, that's going to really help with my writing or to acquire products or whatever, because most of those people I've known for a few years at this point, you know? So yeah, no, that, that makes sense, but it's always good to kind of lubricate those relationships. <laughs> it is. And on the lubrication note, uh, maybe we should call it because yeah. it's, it's this, we're going downhill fast. Sounds good. All right. Till next time we will see you later.